Yeah, does anybody want to say anything? Yeah, please. Now you should be in a position to talk about the text. Right? Otherwise, what have you done for all these years? Fine. Then, uh, yeah. So, how do the images work? Right? Uh, what are the images of, say, freedom that you find in part one? And what are the images of freedom that you find in part two? Or are there no images of freedom and there no images of bondage in any of those texts? Yeah? So, do you think that there are images of freedom in the first part? Do you think that the images of freedom in the second part? Right? And how do you understand those images? Right? So what, what are the images of freedom? What are the images of bondage? Are there more images of freedom and less images of bondage in both the parts 1 and 2? Right? Or is it more complicated than that? Yeah? And how do these images relate to each other? No? All these things don't make sense to anybody? Right? Okay, what is the first image that we see in part one of the text? What is the first image that hits you when you look at the text? Yeah, because we are talking about this being literature, we are not talking about this being a letter, a formal letter, or a formal report, or anything of the sort. But we are talking about this being literature, and we are talking about it being fiction. Right? So, how does it, uh, how does it relate to you at all? Yeah. How does it relate to you at all? Or do you say that it doesn't relate to you at all? Come on, Joy. Answer. Because I saw your name over there. So, I think you can ask, answer. Anybody else can answer. Yeah? Nobody wants to answer. Have you all not read the text? What happened to the woman who was asking me, when are we starting the text? We are almost closing down. Right? Yeah. Nothing. No response. How do you respond to the text? Okay. What are the images that we have, first of all? Yeah. An image which stays in your mind even after you close the text. Well, if you don't read the text, well, I can't do anything. Uh, that's sad. Unfortunate, sad and terrible, right? And it's very sad to think that we have students who don't read text at all, right? And nothing of the text uh, even registers because at least we'll take back the images of the text uh, long after we've finished reading the text, yeah? Right? And the images are something that are created by the imagination for our own minds, right? Okay, so the, the most important kind of image that you have is a huge kind of body, right? Which is tied down, uh, it's tied down in, in a, a sense, right? And it's tied to the ground because of ropes, right? And the hair even are tied to the ground so that the person cannot move, right? So that's the kind of image which is an image of bondage and is not an image of freedom 
that you get in Act 1, in Part 1 of the text. Right? So when you look at it, then you say, well, that's exactly how the text begins. Because it's actually talking about bondage. And the question is, how does Gulliver earn his freedom and at what cost? Right? Okay, that happens in the beginning of the text. And right at the end of the, the first part, you still have the idea of being bound. Yeah, and the, the, the bondage, of course, changes. And there's a shift from the first image through the text when he manages to win the confidence uh, of the people in Lilliput. Right? So he actually manages to gain their confidence. And that's when the, the, the ropes are loosened, uh, the ties are broken, the ties are cut, all those kind of things happen gradually through the text, right? So you get uh, the, I, the, the, the ties being cut. And then, of course, you have these images, uh, which are not uh, the images of freedom for the people who are there, right? You get the images of all the, the people who are subjects of Lilliput, right? And that's another important kind of image that you get when you get the images of a big hand handling, holding in it cows and uh, other kinds of things that you have. Yeah? Yes, uh, you've said something. The, the emperor of Lilliput executes his people for minor reasons, just because they have annoyed him. Whereas the emperor of Bobbingham seems like a true intellectual who cares about his people, right? Yeah, okay, fine, that's okay, but uh, do you see or do you have any images of killing of the people of Lilliput? Lilliput or Lilliput? Lilliput, right? Yeah, Lilliput, so what happens? Do you actually have Anna, I'm asking you this, because you say the emperor of Lilliput uh, executes his people for minor reasons just because they have annoyed him whereas the emperor of Bob Dick Dang uh, seems like a true intellectual who cares about his people right yeah uh, yes so uh, do you have an image to support that right do you have an image to say that he executes the people right is Gulliver at a public execution yeah we don't have really an, an image of that as far as I can remember, right? But that's an important kind of image if there is one, right? How would it be to see the execution of a little person, a miniature kind of person who is put to death, right? And what are the means of execution, right? Like for instance, is the execution by hanging? Is the execution by the scaffold? Is the execution by the guillotine, of course we know for a fact that the guillotine didn't exist at that point of time, right? And that's something that happens when you have this French uh, person who comes up with this idea of a guillotine, right? To be killing or execution more humane, right? Yeah, so that's, uh, so we don't really have proof of that. But when we're talking about bondage, okay, we have uh, the idea of the ropes, Okay, and we have the idea of uh, Gulliver having to uh, give up all the arms that he has, right? And then he has to choose between uh, being totally 
transparent and saying, well, I put my specs down, I put my telescope down, I do all those kind of things and give it to them and let them play with it, let them destroy it, right? Uh, but he gives the arms and ammunition over there, which is also a bad idea because if they use it or if they fiddle with it, that means they can destroy themselves, right? Yeah, so from images of bondage, he finds images of freedom, but the images of freedom also are problematic because he's, he has to be taken by a cart into the city, right? And he has to be taken and looked after and he's constantly uh, under surveillance all the time, right? Yeah, and uh, of course, as you have in the second part, we're talking about we can't see all these little things that happen, right? So that's something else that we can think about, right? And when you're also talking about the first part, we are talking about the images of drawing the fleet, right? Going and fighting for uh, Lupata, uh, wherever that other island is, right? Yeah, and going and fighting for those people, right? And then the idea of these people coming in and telling him that uh, they have a secret audience with him and tell him that he's going to be poisoned and that he costs too much, etc., etc. That's an I. That's an image of saying that look, we are not. Uh, you are not free, right? And you have to find freedom by running away from this place, right? So even though he doesn't have chains, even though he's there, and of course, an image of freedom is being uh, on the on the on the fire, the for, the uh, the city fire, right? That's uh, of course a male chauvinist, uh, Simon de Beauvoir and all would call it a male chauvinist kind of uh, freedom, yeah. And uh, so he's uh, peeing on the on the city and putting the fire out, right? So actually, he gets freedom for everybody, but that again is a kind of an image uh, of freedom in one sense, right? And an image of goodwill and kindness, right? But it has a very disastrous effect because it's looked at in a bad light, right? Yeah, so putting your guns down, all those kind of things, submitting all the, the uh, ammunition to the people, right, is, act, is, act, uh, is an act of bondage which we see today in our airports and in all the other kinds of places where we have surveillance, right? Whether it's a CCTV camera in a university, or anywhere else, right? We are. We find that freedom is no more uh, there for most of us anywhere, right? Yeah, because if you are guided by CCTV cameras, if you take your mobile anywhere, you're tracked down, right? It's almost like having a radio collar, uh, which you put, or a radio chip, which you put into bear and you put into bats and you put into all those kind of things. I was reading something about. Uh, flying foxes, right? And of course that was a, a very nice article about the flying foxes and they're talking about them uh, migrating across countries for a long period of time. I'm sorry I'm in a class, please call later. Yeah. Right, uh, so we're talking about the flying foxes uh, flying across at a long period of time, right? Yeah, and what is important is that when we are talking about the flying foxes, you have 
radio collars and you have all these kind of things to find out where the animals are, right? And our mobiles are almost like radio collars today, right? Because nothing is free, right? And you are tracked down even if you open uh, your internet connection, right? And you have nothing to do, there's no commerce between you and a hotel or anything over there, but uh, you are tracked, you are uh, asked about your opinion about the your visit, right? So all those things are very problematic because the question of how do you look at the idea of the image and the uh, metaphor of being tied and being free, right? Yeah, so he, he goes to this place and he's to win his freedom, right? Yeah, and at the, at the, the pain of death because these people could have killed him off, they could have poisoned him, slow poisoning or not so slow poisoning, they could have uh, burnt him down, they could have done all those kind of things to him, right? And slowly you have to win your freedom and that's, that's the first kind of image that you get, right? Yeah, and at the end of it, he feels very relieved to be out when he finds the boat and that's an image of freedom, right? Though the boat is not quite good, right? And it's not in a great condition, when he find, finds the boat and he makes out to open sea, that's an image of freedom, right? Yeah, so what else do you have or what other images do you think are important in part one besides the images of freedom and the images of bondage, right? And then he has to work out his freedom, right, from uh, the other people, right? And you also have, so he, he, he doesn't want to be caught between two kinds of people and he's the go-between and he's being used because he's a giant and he's been used for the war and the protection and all those kind of things, right? So when you're talking about images of freedom, uh, we have almost the, whole, the, the, the ropes are untied. The images of being free it begins after his ropes are untied, right? But then he's still not free because he can't rope around all the place because he might uh, squash up the little people and damage them, right? Or damage their houses, damage their cities, all those kind of things. So that's a problem. And the size becomes a problem for him, right? So can we be free of the size that we are, right? And a lot of th times the size uh, of our being, of our body, right, uh, becomes a giveaway, right? And if you have a small person, maybe the small person can get lost in the crowd, right? And of course, we have color, right? So uh, if you are of people of the same color, then uh, you probably can get lost in a crowd, right? I remember one of my cousins, right? Uh, he came from the United States and he, uh, well, he had a problem because he got onto the train, he was a small little boy, and he was waving around and said, well, now you find me, you can't find me in the crowd. And he says, well, if I did this in the United States, it wouldn't be able to, uh, I wouldn't be lost really because I, I'd be in a minority of dark-skinned brown people, right? Yeah, but in, uh, in India, you wouldn't be able to find me if I get lost because I just merge into all the colors that are around me, right? Yeah, so the question is, how does a body become uh, a kind of an image of um, of uh, unfreedom or bondage, right? 
and can we be freed from our body, right? And that's something that Gulliver is talking about in part one, right? Or Swift is talking about in part one because the body becomes a problem, right? And that's an existential problem and all of us have these problems about our bodies, right? Yeah, so can I do anything about it? No, I can't, right? And I can't, I can't change my skin and if you like to talk about all that, you might like to read Girish Karnat's play called Hayabadana, right? Where there are two, uh, two people, one is a carpenter and one is a Brahmin, right? And the woman uh, likes the body or the smell of the body of the carpenter, right? I think it's a carpenter, right? Or labourer, whatever that is, right? And they are supposed to be friends, okay? And uh, she doesn't like the, the smell of the, the sandalwood that the Brahmin uh, man who's her husband actually uses, right, yeah? And then what's interesting in that play is you have them going to the temple of Kali, right? And they talk about exchanging heads, right? Yeah, and then after that, so they have all this exchange of heads and the Brahmin gets the carpenter's head and the carpenter gets the Brahmin's head, right? And then she says, after some time, well, the smell is still the same, right? Yeah, so, uh, what happens, so the uh, existential issue is, can we get out of our bodies, right? We may not like our bodies, right? Or we might not like our bodies in certain situations, right? If Gulliver was the same size as the people of Lilliput, right? He might have got in and out of Lilliput without anybody noticing him, right? Yeah? Of course, we don't know about the color of the skin, right? But that's quite a problem, right? If you're tall, you stand out. Right? And if you're very short also, you might stand out, right? Or you're very fat, you might stand out. Very thin, you might stand out. And that's the, the, uh, the, the import of the whole text because as a neoclassical text is talking about being moderate, right? Yeah, it's talking about moderation or the Aristotelian golden mean, right? Yeah, so in the second part, yeah, we, and of course, the poisoning and all those kind of ploys that they have and the idea of the, Lili, the people of Lilliput also not being free, yeah, because uh, Gulliver is a threat, right, yeah, and uh, he's big size and he's a threat and all those kind of things and they're not free of him, right, yeah, yeah because they have to spend for him, they have to take a lot of trouble for him, they have to use their resources for him, so he doesn't get freedom over there, so the best thing is for both the, the people of Lilliput and for Gulliver to get out, right, and to see and uh, being free in the sea is a kind of actually breathing fresh air till he gets the ship and he goes back, right? Yeah, so that's one. And when we come to part two, first of all, the open road seems to be a symbol of freedom, right? And then he finds that that's only a small path, right? And it's it's not, it doesn't really begin like Lilliput at all, right? And it begins with this idea of the farmer and everybody being gentle, right? Remember that the first part is beginning with hostility, right? Yeah, you have him tied down. And the first part is he's sleeping. The second part is he's awake, right? Yeah? So can you just look at uh, what is going on over there, right? And then you have this idea of being in among peasants, right? Yeah, and the question is, are the peasants better people than anybody else, right? 
Yeah, they might be crude, they might be uh, lacking sophistication, but at the same time, they are people who are of the soil and uh, of the earth, right? And they are human and that kind of thing, right? And of course, the dogs even are very gentle, okay? And they don't kill them off, right? And of course, there's a lot of fear over there also because you have the rats, okay? Which he kills, yeah? You have the cat, but the cat doesn't bother about him too much, right? Yeah? So you have the dogs, you have the cats, you have all those kind of things, and all of them are huge, right? But at the same time, uh, and you have the women who protect him, and uh, they look after him all the time, right? So you get that kind of contrast which is happening, right? And then the idea of freedom, of course, is when he takes off his clothes and all those kind of things, right? So that's again a different kind of an idea of freedom, and even the the women take off their clothes. So the whole idea of nudity as a kind of freedom, right, or uh, going back to an innocent past or however you want to interpret all that, right, yeah, and also the king brings him up to his nose, right, yeah, the king tries to bring him up to equality, right, he doesn't look down at him because he's a huge man, but he tries to have a conversation symbolically on an equal footing, right, so that's again something that is talking about equality and freedom, right? Which is not, which you don't really get in the first part when he used to bend down and uh, try very hard to be equal to everybody in the first part, right? Yeah? And what is interesting is uh, equality is a question there, but in the second part, in spite of him being small, there's an effort made for, uh, by all the people to see that he's comfortable, that he's equal, Right? And he gives, they give him all the comforts except that he's got a little box which is like taking a, a little animal and putting it in the cage. Right? Yeah, and taking it. And you're very fond of the animal but you're also frightened that the animal might be attacked by rats or cats or dogs or whatever that is. Right? And then of course uh, at the end of the, the, uh, the part uh, two, right? Uh, and and uh, a bird actually carries the box itself off, right? Yeah, so that's something that's not guarded against, right? So what is, what are we talking about? We're talking about securities and risks, right? Yeah, we might try to keep something secure and the whole, in the first part, there's no question of Gulliver being secure, right? Because uh, he's huge, right? So do you think about him being secure, right? You think about his food, that's the only kind of security you can offer him, right? And they, they build some kind of house for him where he stays in it, right? Yeah? But in the second part, do you think that Gulliver uh, has to be kept secure? So they're building that big uh, kind of box for him, right? And they build him the table and the chairs and all those kind of things, right? And they also see that he doesn't get hit by it when they travel on horseback, right? So. All those kind of efforts are definitely seen in the second part, right? And uh, as Anna says, yes, the king is an educated man in the second, or oh, the emperor is an educated man in the second part, right? And he's a philosopher king, etc., etc., right? Yeah, so you, you get all those things, but you also get this idea of Gulliver wanting to get out because size is again a problem, right? He can't be equal and he can't be free, right? So the idea is 
how does he put their equality down right okay so when we are talking about the large and small right what is he what is your freedom in your freedom is with the same kind of people right or a similar kind of people of your size oh, he's only talking about size right yeah and of course that has a lot of metaphorical implications because we're talking about physical size and we're talking about mental size right so when we talk about a physical size we can say well uh, this is a physical size right and the physical size might also mean that the people are dumb in the heads right yeah so when uh, people talk about the size that matter i've got somebody with a chest and i'm so tall and all that you you might be talking to a dumb ass right and we we know all those kind of people who talk about the chest size and the head size and all that kind of thing right which is something that is important because the colonial people did that and that's how race theory operates right yeah where you have this idea of the nasal index uh, and ambedkar also uses it as a kind of an anthropological way of going about right so the question is of course today nobody takes any of that seriously because as we said last time we talked about this woman that they get from africa right who's an hot and tot and she's very small right and she's got a big bottom and she's got a fabulous elephantine kind of memory right yeah so and they put those kind of people in cages right so if you're different you're caged right that's one but here they've caged them for protection that's also caging for protection in case you run away or in case somebody runs away with you or come somebody comes and kills you or whatever that is right yeah so you get this idea of caging which is a problem right yeah and of course from hamlet we have this idea that the whole world is a prison right so you can read your hamlet and you can find that uh, the whole world is a prison right so you might think that you're free right and you might wander from one freedom to another freedom right but the image of the the box is the image of the cage right is the image of prison right even in act 2 right it's it might be a very sophisticated prison but it's still a prison because he is not free right okay it's like the movie gandhi uh which some of you might have seen right and they go gandhi is kept at aga khan palace right that's where kasturba dies if some of you have seen it it's down aga khan palace road in pune nagar road it's called nagar road today right and in the movie you have uh one of the journalist who uh is going to interview gandhi right and she says not bad for a prison right and that's aga khan palace right so is and you can see all these things there you can see his room through the glass of course right because all that is the gandhi foundation now right yeah you can see the samadhi of kasturba uh, that's very close by right but the idea is if you say that it is it's like kashmir right yeah kashmir is a prison right okay and it's terrible because we don't have 4g we don't have all these kind of things right yeah so uh, and even even before article 370 was abrogated or pretended to be abrogated i don't know what the legal stand on it right but even then kashmir was a prison because you have uh, military men all around right yeah and the idea is you cannot be free right so the uh, yeah so uh, if you like you can look at uh the song called the fields of athan right which is about irish uh, the irish right and it says nothing matters when you're free 
right? And then look at the free birds, right? They are not caged. And the people of Ireland are caged without a cage, right? Yeah? If you are under the domination of somebody, you are caged. Even cultural domination is a cage and that's what uh, happens in part two, right? It looks like you're treated well. It's look like, uh, it looks like everything is fine, okay? The people like you, all those kind of things, which is also something that happens over there in part one, right? Yeah? And of course, the hierarchies are there and uh, uh, some people don't give you up, like uh, uh, this whatever that uh, lady's name is, who keeps hanging on to him, right? So she gets a chance to rise in popping uh, nag, right? But uh, she doesn't like to give up uh, her precious, uh, precious possession of Galata, right? Yeah? And that also symbolizes all the mothers and fathers, right? Yeah? Who hang on to their children and they don't let the children be free, right? So when we're talking about what are the symbols of unfreedom, so we have things like overpossession, right? Okay? They might, and of course, uh, the idea of using comes in both of them, right? Because the women use Kalava, right? Uh, in uh, part two, right? With all the new kind of things that happen between them, right? And in part one, he's used as for war, right? So you can see that very clearly uh, in the text, right? And uh, the, the idea of possessiveness, where this person wouldn't give Kalava up for anything, uh, maybe she's a young person and that's why it's so, right? So that's again a problem, right? And uh, the, the, so again, the idea of being in a body is something that doesn't free you because you're not of the same sex, right? So the idea of the mind of the same size and the body of the same size, so if, when you're reading it metaphorically, you talk about being uh, looking for people of the same kind of mental caliber, not only the physical caliber, right? Yeah, it's not that we ask for people of our physical caliber, right? Uh, because everything is not about the body, right? Yeah, so we're talking about the body and we're talking about the mind and we're talking about two different worlds. One is big, one is small, right? One has educated people, cultured people, gentle people. The other also has a share of gentle and not so gentle people, right? Yeah, another has customs which are gentle and not gentle, right? Yeah, and the idea of freedom, at least the emperor comes up with the idea of equality and freedom and honesty and all those kind of things which happen in the second part, right? So, when we're talking about, and of course, uh, the bird taking uh, the cage, right? The bird is a symbol of freedom, right? Uh, yeah, so normally uh, in today's world and even otherwise, uh, when you're talking about a grand ceremony, people release a lot of doubts, right? Because that's supposed to be a kind of symbol of freedom, right? And of course the Palestinians, yeah, if you've seen the Palestinian shawl, it's got red and white, right? And uh, there was a nice fashion show some years ago, right? And the fashion designer was asked, uh, what is the symbolism of all your stuff, right? Because he got everybody to wear red and white, right? So he's talking about this being Palestine, right? So it's a white dove, it's peaceful, and it's being killed all the time, and that's why the red and the white show death, right? Yeah, of course, Hardy also does that, and that's 
a very important Victorian symbol which uh, we have to look at, right? But uh, so the question is uh, size and what happens with the bird, right? The bird is actually at one moment it looks a terrifying moment. It looks as if the box is going to be thrown down and from such a height and it's going to mean that the box crashes on the rocks so that uh, Gulliver is left very vulnerable, right? But he throws, the, the box falls down in the sea, right? And if you see kites flying, uh, a lot of times this happens, right? When they try to get a bone or a piece of meat, right? And if you're unfortunate, the, the piece of meat might fall on your head, right? Yeah, and that's quite uncomfortable, right? Yeah, so uh, that's, and of course it might be stinking and terrible. We don't know what it can be, right? It can be a snake, it can be anything. And when they fight right up the air and drop something down, uh, that's, uh, that's when it can, they actually do that for tortoises because they can't break the shell of the tortoise even if they've got very strong talons and they try to crush it. They can't do that. But the only way to do that is take it up high into the sky and throw it down from some uh, millions, uh, some hundreds of feet, right? And when it comes down, it crashes on the rocks and then they eat the tortoise. Uh, I think the tortoise won't even be dead, but they slowly pick the this, this shell of the tortoise and start eating it, right? Yeah. So, uh, Swift is aware of this kind of behavior of, uh, of the kites and uh, vultures and, uh, not vultures, kites and uh, uh, eagles, right? And he feels that that's going to be his fate, right? So that's, first of all, he's in a cage. If he was not in a cage, uh, he might have been with rats. He might have been killed by a cat or a dog or any of these huge kind of creatures, right? So the cage is meant to protect him from them, but at the same time, it's not free, right? So look at the ideas of freedom that are there even in the second part, right? Yeah, and of course, uh, he is treated with great dignity and he doesn't have to prove that he is uh, not dangerous, right? Yeah, like uh, the first part, right? He doesn't have to prove that he is not dangerous at all, right? But what's interesting is he still wants his freedom even though he is treated in the best manner possible, right? Because uh, you might give me everything, but then the question is, you might not, I may not be able to live happily and meaningfully unless I'm with people of my own kind and my own kind doesn't mean racially but it means intellectually and of my own size right so that's something okay maybe you can also say about race right you can also make a statement about race over there right so uh, and the, the second part is also talking about freedom and then he is tied with all the images of what he has taken from Bob Nag Right? And he wants to keep them as artifacts to remind him of his journey. Right? So that's a bondage. Right? The bondage is how do I prove to people that I've actually gone to this land? Right? How do I prove to people that there are people like this in the world and I have to show something for it? Right? Yeah, I have to actually show uh, these things for it. Right? And of course, the people think that he's mad. Right? The people on the ship think that he's lost his bits, right? So that's important, yeah? And how do you look at, and the idea of course is, metaphorically when you look at that, when you talk about the large and the small, you talk about great ideas, 
and we talk about the ideas of little people, right? So you might learn something from all these people, but the question is, is there anybody to understand you, right? Is there anybody to know what you are saying is true, right? So that's a kind of problem that Swift has, right? And that's a personal problem because he's actually looking at England, he's actually looking at uh, Ireland, and he's also looking at other parts of the world, right? Where people have different kinds of laws uh, and they treat people differently and uh, that's how they operate, right? So uh, you might like to think about all these things and the, the, the most important thing is when we're talking about this text, we must remember we're talking about uh, Ulysses, we're talking about the Greek myths and we're talking about Samson Agonestes, right? And Samson Agonestes actually uh, is probably the first suicide, uh, not bomber, but as good as a suicide bomber, right? Because that's when you, he uh, pulls down the temple and all the Philistines and he gets killed along with them and the other Philistines. That's the end of the story, right? Now Gulliver is almost like Samson, right? And he doesn't want to land up like Samson. And what they do is they try to poison him, right? Yeah? And poison is the symbol of unfreedom, right? Yeah? So you can't, you can't tell him, well, we can't look after you. Please go away, right? You're too much of an expense. But so that's when you have poison and all these kind of movements when you can't talk to somebody straight. And that's why we have terrorism in the world, right? That's because all diplomatic negotiations have failed, okay? Or you get a very oppressive government and who doesn't even care for your uprisings or your peaceful marches and your protests, right? And then what do you do? There's only one thing left, right? Either you, everybody quotes arrest, right? Or you have terrorism and you have pockets of terrorism because people cannot put up with the nonsense. And terrorism is a poison, right? Because you get anybody who's innocent killed, right? With the, the tactics of terrorists and their bombs, right? So uh, that's when the state itself is not cautious about uh, creating terrorists, right? Terrorists are not created on their own. They're created by the state. And of course, today, in today's world, we're talking about how uh, the media and how our modern equipment creates the terrorist, right? If you didn't have people to watch television, you wouldn't have to, uh, terrorist, right? If you don't have the images, and that's why I talked about the images, right? If you don't have images of terror, right? Whether it's Kassab or any other terrorist, right? We actually had so much footage, right? The terrorist feels really thrilled to be consumed by so many people. Right? It's exactly like Gulliver feeling absolutely thrilled when he's stripped among the women and he's consumed uh, as a kind of uh, a delicacy, right? If you look, uh, use the metaphor of eating, right? Yeah? So that's something that looks as if it's freedom, but then the question is visual pleasure is something that gets us into all these kind of things, and that's how in modern societies terrorism. Uh, has got a lot of things to do with all of us, right? If we consume all this kind of stuff on television, we are responsible for the, tel uh, the, the terrorist, right? Yeah, because we like all these kind of things happening and that is prime time and an entertainment for all of us, right? 
So we are the warriors, we are the people who are uh, actually the cannibals uh, enjoying people being killed and uh, massacred, right? Yeah, so you can't say, uh, you can't say that the terrorists are responsible, we are all responsible because we are sharing with the terrorists the joy of killing people and getting it published, right? And we are the consumers. If we didn't exist, the terrorists won't exist, right? And if a government which is authoritarian and doesn't have a diplomatic kind of way of going about, right? Then what you have is you have what you call naxalism and you have the, uh, the separatist movements and you have all these kind of things happen, right? So we, are, we have to actually look at what is our share in all these kinds of horrible things that are happening in the world, right? So they look like liberatory steps, but they're not, right? Uh, uh, neither any of these kind of groups are uh, actually going to get us freedom, right? Uh, whether you take uh, any of our religious groups that, that we have in India, and in the name of religion, people are trying to change the, the face of India, right? Or you have Islam, and the, for me, all of them are the same, right? And how much does religious religion bind us, and how much does it free us, right? Religion is supposed to free us, but not to bind us, right? But all the religious groups, whether it's ISIS or it's whatever the groups are, right? And all the, the political liberation groups, right? How much do they actually free us, right? So I think we need to think about all that, right? And the images, of course, uh, the size is, of course, and the idea of disgust, right? Which is something we see in part two, right? Where the I, and of course, in, even in part one, the, dis, the disgust is something that we see, right? And is seen in the idea of uh, absolutely uh, revolting kind of uh, ways of people behave, behaving, right? Having a coup, landing all this up without coming and talking to Gulliver and saying, well, we can't afford you. Can you try to go to another place, right? Yeah, and you have a, a, a plot to kill him off, right? Yeah, in, in the second part, there's no such plot, right? But the question is, uh, uh, he wants to get out because uh, he's a curiosity, right? He gets a lot of attention, right? And that's exactly what uh, there's a person uh, who is talking, I'm sorry, I've forgotten the name, is the idea of invisibility, right? Yeah, I talked about color, right? And this is an African American, I have it some, somewhere because I wrote a paper on it, right? Uh, yeah, so this person is talking about color, right? And how terrible color is. You're talking about your identity and color, right? And uh, if you're a black person in the United States or in Europe, you are immediately spotted out, right? So here it's not about color, but it's about size, right? And you're spotted out and you are supposed to represent the rest of the people, right? And what you're saying is a word about all the rest of the people, right? And can you see how problematic that is, right? So Gulliver is supposed to stand for all the people he comes from, from his country, in spite of having issues with the ruling uh, or the laws of the country. Yeah, and all of us do, right? Yeah, so when, you call, when you're called an Indian, of course you're not called an Indian in England, you're called a Paki, right? Yeah, and that's for the Pakistanis, all Indians are called Pakistanis over there, right? And they, the Indians don't like it, right? But the idea is, uh, 
it's the same culture and you you don't you don't go and say I'm an Indian I'm not a Pakistani you can't make that up right when you go to England everybody is all, almost a Pakistan right yeah uh, like uh, in India means uh, uh, in India means kingdom anybody who was from Gujarat was called a Patel right yeah I uh, there's a friend of ours who lived through India means uh, terror right and in disguise right and he was telling me all these kind of things right yeah so uh, you identify people and uh, yeah so you you might want to explain yourself but you can't right when people say Hindi is the national language right anybody else tells you Hindi is the national language right at an international forum and they say well Hindi is not the national language and I don't even know Hindi right yeah if somebody actually says that how do people feel right yeah because the idea is we are talking about stereotypes right and we're talking about this idea of totemism uh, tokenism right so Kalaba is standing for England right in part one and in part two right and he's also standing for the world of people who are of his size right yeah uh, and actually uh, what he says in a short little bit that he's there in both these places is taken for this is how all the people are right do you get this right okay the understanding in, in stereotyping is you're saying all the people are like this but when you talk talk about that we're only talking about the size right yeah I might hate my government right but I, I'm still talked about as an Indian right yeah and I might not I may not hate the whole country and everything else but I might not like certain things and I might have a real revolt a revolting feeling about some of the practices that are prevalent in my country at my point of time right yeah but when I go out I'll be looked at and branded as an Indian right yeah or yeah so or, or as a nation or as a Pakistani right because people couldn't make out the difference then they, they'll say they're the same right yeah so the idea of identity is something else that keeps happening over here so when we're talking about freedom can we be free of our identities right yeah whether it's a mental identity or a physical identity right and of course what's consuming uh, India and the wo whole world today is the idea of identity politics right which is terrible right because when you have an the idea of identity politics then uh, you're actually taking the country and making it into dust right because we have got different identities and we function with different identities uh, in the day right you have the identity of a husband you have the identity of a wife you have the identity of being a child to somebody a, be a grandchild to somebody being a teacher being an engineer being a lawyer be a doctor and also maybe have a religion which you might be not quite comfortable with you might also be an atheist right so all those kinds of identities you have and we carry all the identities together right and one identity is taken and one identity is said this is what sums you up right and that's what happened in both the, uh, that's what happened in both the parts of the text right and what also happens is when Gulliver comes out of both these places right yeah his word about the places is taken as the truth about these places right so the question is uh, the text is supposed to talk about the truth right we have in the introduction but the truth is not the truth right 
and that's what we have today in the post-structural kind of world, right? But what is the truth, right? Gulliver's truth, and you have the Latin expression, I can't uh, repeat it, right? One man's truth is no man's truth, right? Now this is uh, the story of Gulliver in Lilliput, the story of Gulliver in Bobbignac. Now that's how people treated him there, right? If somebody else goes there, uh, they might cook him up as a, a stew, right? Yeah, so that's, uh, and they, they may not even be gentle to him, right? Whatever the circumstances right? So uh, these are things that uh, have to be considered because we're talking about identity, we're talking about identity politics, and we're also talking about this idea of one person's truth, one person's identity, and one person's experience. Certainly, Gulliver has not seen everything of Bob Gang. He has not seen everything of Lilliput because of the size. Yeah, because you're too large or you're too small, you can't see everything, right? And that's what happens with us in our lives, right? We can't see everything, right? Even if you talk about your own city, right? There are portions of it you'll never have seen, right? Yeah, from the time you live, uh, from the time you're very small to the time you die, and even if it's a small town, right? You can't go into everybody's house and everybody's room and know everything about it, right? So we are talking about what are the limits of size, what are the limits of the human being, and what is the kind of moderation that we can work with, right? So that's where we're talking about both the text, both the parts, part one and part two, actually when you look at them together and you look at the idea of freedom, right? You look at the idea of identity, you look at the idea of freedom, right? All those things become very important, right? Yeah, maybe we can uh, use another technique and say, what happened if Gulliver and his wife had to go to both these places, right? Yeah. How would the wife be treated? How would Gulliver be treated? Right? What are the kinds of issues that Gulliver would have? Right? Now that's something that is not there in the text, right? And that's something maybe we should think about, right? Yeah. So, uh, so would the people treat the wife uh, as well as Gulliver? Maybe they would treat the wife better, and Gulliver would have a problem with that, right? Yeah. So all those kind of issues uh, are, are real uh, issues that you have, right? So. Uh, and of course the gender business comes out in the second part and in the first part but it's not talking about what would happen if Gulliver was a woman, right? Yeah? Okay, or Gulliver was the third gender or fourth gender or fifth gender, whatever that is, right? Yeah, and what happens to gender is something that is uh, not really talked about from the point of view of Gulliver in the text, right? So I think that's something else we need to think about, right? And uh, yeah, of course it does talk about all these Freudian kinds of uh, understanding of the world, right? It also talks about sexuality and acquisitions of uh, flirting with women and all those kind of things, right? Uh, and of course the second part, they don't even think uh, he's capable, right? Which is almost like saying that he's important, it's almost like treating him like a child, all those kind of things that uh, even in his nudity, he's innocent and the women can be innocent with him and all those kind of implications are there, right? Yeah, so the, the whole idea of the nude scenes, all those uh, things have to be, uh, all those images have to be actually uh, looked at, right? So uh, I'm not talking about all the images, so you might like to talk about the, the beautiful and the ugly, right? Yeah, so he, he's talking about skin, right? He's talking about the skin of the people of Bob Nang, right? 
and he's talking about the beauty of the people in Lilliput, right? And we're talking about the idea of average size because one is beautiful but small, the other one is ugly because we can see that it's got, it's not smooth, right? You can see the pimples on the body, you can see the roughage on the body, you can see all that and you can see it in minute sizes, right? You can see them expanded, right? All those kind of things which this is also a very, very powerful image, including the, the image of the, the little caliber uh, naked on the breast of that woman and all that kind of thing, which is some kind of sexual fantasy, uh, if you like, right? Yeah. And uh, uh, of course, it's interesting because you don't have uh, trick photography, you, you don't have all these modern kinds of uh, ways of dealing with it. I don't know if you've seen this movie called, yeah, I think there's a Sinbad the Sailor, which is a modern version, right? Yeah. So at one point of time, Sinbad is almost so small and you get these huge creatures around, just, just like all the straps, right? Yeah. Uh, and you have the other movie called Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, right? Yeah. So the idea is you can get small size people, right? And how do they look and how the big size people look and all those kind of things, right? But the idea, of course, is identity, right? So what identity do you have? Right? And now he's talking about his British identity and he's talking about the rest of the world. So is my identity in a couple of papers, right? which is called the law or is not called the law, uh, the constitution is not called the constitution, but it might be a, a method of, uh, of management, okay, or it might be called uh, a proceeding, right? Yeah. So all these kind of very uh, hair-splitting arguments is, is the constitution law or is it a procedure? Is the procedure law or is it not law, right? And uh, these are issues that come up, right? And you can get all that in the first part and in the second part because you have, you have to follow what you call protocol when you visit a monarch and you visit somebody in park, right? So who comes first, who walks first, who walks second, right? How do you take uh, a huge size person in to see the king? All those kind of things. How do you erect a uh, platform for the king to talk to Galaga? Or uh, how do you try to raise Galaga to the level of the king in part two, right? So all those issues become important because we're talking about the idea of protocol, right? And the question is, what is the law? Is the law a procedure, okay? Or what is the law in itself, right? So that's again something to do with identity, right? And the idea, the identity of are we a lawless people or are we a law, lawful people, right? And both the places have a law, right? Whether you take Bogdindag or you take Lilliput, right? Uh, you have law over there, the idea of law, the idea of education, you have all these kind of things which operate, though they're different, right? And the attitude is different, right? So the idea is, of course, in India, the idea is that India is a lawless place, right? And it's always been lawless, and uh, those are old ideas and very Eurocentric ideas, right? And all you have to do is you have to read Chinya Chibi, right? Uh, things fall apart and all that kind of thing, right? We're talking about very strict tribal laws that exist in many societies in the world, right? And the English, just like Gadavar is talking about the worms and the, the mites which the, the huge people cannot see and they consume all that, right? Yeah, the, that's the same thing that happens with the Europeans also when they go to Africa and India, they think people, of course India is overrated, yeah? And that's exactly what happens with the European 
you you build them as larger than life and that's what you will find in edward said's orientalism right yeah so you either say that uh, the people in india are hypersexed or the women are hypersexed or the men are hypersexed and all those kind of things that's one way of either praise or blame right yeah so that's how you look at it right uh, and the other the opposite is the very spiritual people that's the myth that has been sold about india we are definitely not a spiritual people you can see all the history and we can you can find that the murders and as political as today uh, and of course Th uh, sashi tarot is talking about the great indian novel and that's an old old novel right which talks about the mahabharat right yeah so you can go back and look at all that right and maybe you can see all this but the idea of when you look at a country you are either glorify it or you undermine it right and you had that with english right and you have that with the european colonizer not only for india uh, also for people like africa right and when chinyo chibi writes he's saying well when okinko commits suicide at the end of the novel right the uh, all the people of his tribe says tell the britishers sorry please take the body and bury it because by the laws of our tribe we can't bury a person who's committed suicide yeah right and he's he's almost a, a, a very very noble and an he's a central character and a hero of the whole text right yeah a hero not uh, yeah he's almost like a larger than life character right and he keeps to the law right so the question is what is the law and the law does the law make me or not make me right and if you meet me do you see the law right do you just see the law that has gone into my psyche and has gone into my behavior and all those kind of things or do you not right yeah so that's something that comes across right and the idea of gentleness and why should he not squash them and why should the bob dick dagins not cook galiver up and eat him right all those kind of questions come up over there because the idea is we're talking about the practice and procedures of law of different countries right and the idea of how do you treat people right so that's something else that is important right and we're talking about it from a cultural point of view right so at one level it's political because we're talking about the idea of how do you understand a person from another culture right and you take his word right and that's a problem that we always have right it's like a friend of mine uh i had asked him he was a he was a priest and he was teaching philosophy and he was a old student of the english department in uh, pune university so and he was a uh, classmate of a number of our teachers and we called him for a lecture right and uh yeah so uh, one of the interesting things is he talked about marathi right and he says well if somebody translates the bible right they won't come to pune and ask a pune person to check it right but they'll get somebody who doesn't know much marathi who's loafing around in rome right and then they take him and his kind of word will be taken right now that's exactly what happens all over the world right so when we see galava as a representative of britain right we have this kind of problem right because he's taken as the quintessence of englishness right yeah and of course in the text you can find out and if you read Uh, about the other text that he's written yeah you you can find out his discomfort with english law and practice right yeah 
and at the same time in the other place you have and that's why you, you get this king saying this or and the king saying that and he's talking about the difference between these kind of people how do they regard education how do they regard this how do they regard that these are things of course of a traveler's care 